Praise the living God. Amen. If you uh, got your Bibles this morning, please turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. We are continuing in our series, Contending for the Faith. And I want to speak to our television audience, you that are on YouTube, praise the Lamb of God. Amen. It's so good to have you with us, and thank you for inviting us into your home. What a pleasure that it is. Praise the Lamb of God. We're going to minister to you today, and I pray that the message that you hear will be a blessing to you. Might I also bring to your attention that you can find us on our website, www.rocksolidtruth, and you can also catch us on Facebook. Praise the Lamb of God. Uh, a lot of messages, a lot of different things, videos that are taking place that I know will be a blessing to you. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you today again. Thank you for what we have already felt in this service. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one that has been brought today and is here. And I pray that their eyes shall see, their ears shall hear that which you have prepared for them. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lamb of God. I have been bringing to you a series entitled Contending for the Faith. Faith is an area in which most of God's people struggle in. And the reason that they struggle in faith is because they really don't understand what faith is. They really don't understand the concept of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us, amen, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith proclaims. And yet very few of God's people really understand the meaning or the understanding of what that is all about. Because most people believe that faith is trying to get God to do something. I'll say that again. Faith is trying to get God to do something that he hasn't already done. Faith is not something that you confess, and if you say it over and over and over again, it will become reality. That is not faith. I'll tell you what faith is. Faith is seeing and receiving something that is tangible. What does tangible mean? You can hold it. This is tangible. This is tangible. I can hold it. Faith is just as real as this. Just as real as this. It's tangible. It's real. It has been established, but it has been established in another realm, in a spiritual realm, not in a physical realm. It's established in the spiritual world, in the spiritual world. That's powerful because there, and someone is going to say, well, then what good does it do me to have faith in the spiritual world if I can't give it? That's what faith is all about. Yes. Faith is all about you being able to see something you've been able to hold that is tangible in another realm so that you can bring it across the bridge by faith into the physical realm. That's what faith is all about. Faith is something that's already been accomplished. It's something that God has already done. And it's a reality. And it's been given to you and I as children of God through the atonement. That's what's important. It's been given to you. Romans tells you. Amen? Not to think of yourself more highly than you are, because every born-again child of God has been given a measure of faith, something that Christ has given to you through the atonement. And when you come into this reality of faith, <coughs> here's what's going to happen. The things that are in the spiritual world are going to come more real to you than the things that are in the physical world. Yeah. In other words, the things that you see with your spiritual eyes are going to be more real to you than what you see with your, I'm sorry, 
The things that you see with your spiritual eyes are going to be more real to you than what you see with your physical eyes. When you grasp a hold of what faith really is, when you see faith for what it really is, you're going to be able to see things, you're going to be able to grasp things, you're going to be able to hold on to things, you're going to be able to grasp what God has provided in the spiritual world and bring it to the revelation of this physical world. Yeah. That is powerful. That is faith. That is why you can be prosperous and be broke. I'll say it again. That's why you can be prosperous and broke. That's why you can have a disease and be healed. That's why you can be delivered and made free and have an intimate relationship because of what is provided in the spiritual world. Because here's the reality. That when most of us ask God for healing, the very first thing that we do is that we look to our body to see if anything has changed. That's not faith. Faith is believing that you are healed, that you have been healed, irregardless of what your body or what your pain or what anything has taken place in you. All you have to do is look at this eye. Amen? I can't tell you how many people have told me, you need to go get that thing checked out because it's cancerous. It's just cancerous. You know, I spend more time rebuking people than praying for people. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm healed. It's something that I did stupid on my own, but it, it doesn't matter. I'm healed. If, if you should have seen it two years ago, praise the Lamb of God. Simply because you believe in faith. Faith is what God has given to you. Praise the Lamb of God. And he gave it to you simply so that you can walk as a victor instead of a victim. This is what happens to you when you grasp a hold of the reality of faith. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And I know that you missed the uh, Hebrew chapter, but I didn't put it on because I wasn't dealing with that thing. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. This is the story of spiritual realities and physical realities. And it's a tremendous lesson in the Word of God to show us in the realms of this faith. Yeah. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host encampassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way. Neither is this city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. The Word of God is relayed to us a powerful observance. The king of Syria has been setting ambushes for the king for the king of Israel. He'd been setting ambushes and every time he sets an ambush the king of Israel knows what that ambush is. Finally the king of Syria called all of his people together and said who is the traitor amongst us? Who is it that is telling the king of Israel all of these battle plans? And somebody stood up and they said, No, my lord, it's, it's, it's not us. It is Elisha who is revealing to the king of Israel everything that you speak in your bedchamber. Yeah. It's not us. And this is what Elisha says. 
In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. Well, let me get it, give, give it back here. So when Gehazi gets up in the morning, he goes on to the city of the wall and he sees the entire city of Dolphin encampassed about with the king of Syria's army. He looks on this whole mass, thousands upon thousands of soldiers and thousands of chariots, and he runs immediately back to Elisha and he says, what are we going to do? I, I don't know what we're going to do. We are really in a mess. You know, that's exactly what takes place when every individual is not walking by faith. Because the question always comes up, what are we going to do? It always does. I want you to receive the response of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. And he answered, fear not. Number one, fear not. I wonder how many of you have been dealing with fear this week. Maybe fear over coronavirus. Maybe fear over a situation in your family. Maybe fear over finances. Maybe fear over your job. Maybe a fear over housing. Maybe fear over paying bills. Maybe fear over a tremendous amount of things. And this is what you say. What are we going to do? That's always the question. What are we going to do? It always comes up. Whenever there's a crisis. Oh, by the way, that's why I don't like miracles. What? I don't like miracles. Because miracles always come because of the crisis. You always got to have a crisis in order to have a miracle. Because you got to say, Lord, Lord, I, I just don't know how we're going to get away. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I need a miracle. Because a miracle always comes because of a crisis. I'm going to tell you what I love. I love blessings. Because blessings are every single day. I have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in high places. I've been blessed every single day, every second of the day, every minute of the day. The blessings never, never, never stop flowing to me. I love blessings. I don't need miracles because I take care of the crisis in my life. Amen? I take authority over it. I speak to it. I make sure that that, that crisis doesn't touch me. I'll tell you good, amen. 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 You're all sitting out here like a bunch of Lutherans, amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Fear not. This is what Elisha said. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Wow. You know what we're going to have here? We're going to have a street fight. That's what we're going to have. We're going to, because... Victory always comes in numbers. Amen? Yeah. And here's what Elisha says. He says, those that be with us are going to be more than we with them. So we got the victory. You see, whenever a crisis comes, whenever a situation comes, I wonder if this is what you're saying. Lord, Father, it's you, your Son, and the Holy Ghost, and me, and us four can whip the entire world. Is that true or not? Yeah. Absolutely. Praise the Lamb of God. That is absolutely true. But you've got to believe it. Because this is what Ge Gehazi did. He looked out over the wall and he seen thousands and thousands and thousands of, 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 of the army and chariots. And then he looked and he said, there's only me and you, Elijah. That's two against all of these thousands. Because he didn't believe that there was more with us than there was with them. Yeah. And that's the problem with us as children of God. Yeah. Whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a situation, we don't believe that there's four that are the most powerful in the world. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and you. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you. But what are you going to do? I'll tell you what most of us do. And when I say most of us, most of God's children, this is what they do. Nobody knows. 
the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. That's what we do. You got the resurrection of power living inside of you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and you're spitting, sitting there singing about your woes and your problems. Hello? Hello. It happens with you, Gary. It happens with you, Sue. It happens with you, Mike. It happens with you, Jackie. It happens with you, you, and you. And me. And until we don't catch ourselves, we sing that song every single day until the Holy Spirit says it's time for you to be quiet and start singing praises. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> I knew I'd get a chorus like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. That's the song we should be singing. The ghost becomes... Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. And spirit. I like the song. Watch this now. Gehazi runs up to Elisha, Elisha's in the, in, the, in, in the room. What are we going to do? Elisha doesn't even look up. Elisha doesn't run to the wall. Elisha doesn't do anything, but says, he, whatever he's doing, he doesn't even look up. He says, oh, they to be with us more than they to be with them. I just kept doing what he was doing. Well, how powerful is that? And Gehazi, I can imagine you. What is the matter with him? He has not seen what I have seen, but the reality is, is that he's seen more than what you see. Because he saw there were more for us than they were for them. So here's the problem. Was it true? What Gehazi saw? It was true. That was true. Absolutely. Was it true what Elisha saw? Absolutely. Absolutely it was true. They both were true. But the problem, but what, what happened is that Elisha saw both sides. He saw the physical and he saw the spiritual. Gehazi only saw the physical. So he didn't know what was taking place in the spiritual. Which means that there was a multitude of army with chariots of fire. You see, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that was missing in the physical. This was chariots of fire. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I go to Africa, this is what most of them do. They just sit there and watch me burn. They just watch me burn. Because you've got to be on fire. The devil doesn't like you on fire. That's true. It's true. He doesn't want you on fire. He wants you smoldering. He wants you lukewarm. He wants you in a place where he can have dominance over you. But you can't have dominance over somebody. Amen. That is on fire. Because the Lord God said, I will make you fire. And I will make the people wood. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. So who does faith belong to? <laughs> Hallelujah. Who does faith belong to? To the strong? No. To the powerful? No. Faith belongs to the ones who have truth and reality concerning the scriptures yeah. and what faith really is. Yeah. That's who's got faith. Faith belongs to those who have come into the knowledge. Well, what do you mean, the knowledge? I want to tell you something. And I'm just going to speak this. This has nothing to do with nobody here. But I'm just going to tell you, amen, that in order to come into the knowledge of the scriptures, two things need to happen. 
You need to find yourself a pastor that you can trust. That will give you truth. And that truth will make you pray. The next thing that you need to do is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And have Him teach you too. Because without knowledge, you don't have nothing. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what the born again, I'm going to say something and I pray that somebody is going to understand other than a bunch of Christians who are going to just criticize me. I'll tell you, when you get born again, you're a child. And I might add a dumb child. It's true. Yes. A dumb child. D-U-M-B. Yes. When you get born again, you're a dumb child. You've got to come into the reality of knowledge. That's why it's so important for you to go to church. That's why it's so important for you to find a pastor. That's why it's so important for you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work on you. That's why you send your kids to school and don't keep them at home in fourth grade, in first grade, in kindergarten. Why? Because you don't want them to be dumb. I'll take you good, amen. Yes. Well, this yeah. is good preaching. I, I know. Yeah. Hallelujah. So what you need to do is you need to find that so that you can start to come into the knowledge of the Word of God. And what's more important than the pastor, the Holy Spirit? You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because that's where the Holy Spirit begins to move and to touch you. But I want to tell you that even in the midst of all of that, the devil is good at what he does. He is. Yeah. There are many, 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 many people who are messed up concerning the Word of God. And that is because they have listened to the wrong voice. Four voices in the world. Maybe five. You're taking notes, you want to read it, write this down. Number one, your heart. You know your heart speaks to you? Yes. By the way, do you know your bank account speaks to you? It does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your bank account speaks to you, too. I mean, all you have to do is to get a little pink slip from the bank saying that you're overdrawn, and that little piece of paper speaks to you. Hello? Loud. So your heart, your conscience, the second thing. The world. That's three. The world. Number four, Satan. And the fifth voice that speaks to you is God. Watch this now. One out of five speaks to you. That's good. The other four are doing nothing but to lead you astray. And to lead you to a place that you don't want to be. What is the main, Brother Mike put it in his uh, little thought for today, what is the main, the main weapon that you can use against this Satan? Word of God. That's the only thing he'll listen to. He won't listen to you yelling and screaming, telling him to leave you alone. He's not going to do none of this. The only thing he listens to is this word, because it's this word that defeated him. Yes. That's right. Amen. Only thing he'll listen to. That's why the word of God tells you. Amen. To resist. To resist the devil. And he will flee from you. He don't have an option. No. But how many of you understand that many times you said go and he don't go? That's true too. Hello? I've done that, yeah. He don't go. Why don't he go? Because you've been playing your broken record. You've been playing over and over and over again what he's been telling you for 10, 20 minutes. So he says, hey, listen, I don't have to go. Because you haven't taken authority and you haven't stopped listening to him. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. You're right. Authority. Power and authority. 
look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Many years ago, this scripture turned my life around. Literally turned my life around. According to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Here's what this scripture means. By his divine power, in other words, in Luke chapter 9, verse 2, he gave his disciples power and authority over every devil and over every disease. That means that he gave you and I power and authority. Now the word of God tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he tells us that by his divine power, he has given us to all things that pertain to life and godliness. So what that means is that on the inside of you as a born-again child of God, you have all things concerning this physical world and concerning the spiritual world. All things. That means you have no lack. Everything is on the inside of you. The fruit of the Spirit is on the inside of you. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temper, all on the inside of you. But you know what? It does you good, no, does you absolutely no good at all unless you understand that it's on the inside of you and needs to come out. Right. It's kind of like having a car in your garage and then you taking the bus everywhere. That's what it's like. Having it all on the inside of you and doing nothing with it. Not bringing it out. In other words, you've got love for your enemies that you don't even love. Don't even be around. You've got patience. Oh, let's not talk about patience. Oh, my goodness. You've got patience. Wonderful. Amen. To put up with an individual 469 times a day if they fail you. You've got that patience on the inside of you. Now everybody just roll your eyes and say, oh my goodness. Okay. But you've got it, it's on the inside. You've got gentleness. Mike, Lynn, Gary, DK. Gentleness like a little baby. Amen. But we very seldom let it come out. And if we ever see a teardrop falling from our eye, we brush it away so that no one else will see it. I'll take a good amen. You're right. Amen. All on the inside of you. But it's got to be able to be released. You've got no lack. No lack. Now look what it says. All of these things are going to be available to you through what? What does it say? Through what? The knowledge of Him. If you don't have the knowledge of Him, you can't use it. Oh, my goodness. You can't use it because you don't have the knowledge of Him. You don't have the knowledge of the Scripture. You don't have the knowledge of what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. You don't have that knowledge so that whenever a crisis comes up, you can put the crisis behind you and say, wait a minute, I have no lack. Because this tells me I've got no lack. And knowledge will do that. That Knowledge will say, hey, listen, you've got everything pertaining to life and godliness. You see, most people don't look at that because they look at their home, their bank account, they look at their situation, their circumstance, and they don't feel that they are blessed. And they never feel they are blessed unless they become a millionaire or, or a billionaire or have tremendous amounts of money. That's only when they believe that they've got everything. And I'm telling you that you could have everything through the scripture and still be broke. Amen. Amen. It's a matter of you believing.
Whatever the problems may be, I don't, I don't care what the problems may be. If you're having problems, the reason that you're having problems and the reason that your problems are not resolved is because you don't have the appropriate knowledge to deal with your problem. Right. <laughs> Woo! My goodness! You don't have the knowledge to deal with your problem. Because every promise has been given for every problem. Yes, what God. Glory to God. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 15. Let's read it again. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and came forth, behold, a host encamped the city, both with horses and chariots. And the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. You see, when he told Elisha, Elisha didn't even blink an eye. He was not concerned at all. You know, this is what most people would do. Oh, we got to pray. We got to pray right now. Somebody runs in, somebody runs in and says, Oh, uh, uh, Brother Mike, there, your truck, the back end of your truck just fell off. Amen. And Brother Mike, Run down the door and look at the back of this truck. Elisha didn't, didn't even blink an eye. He just said, go to the people with us more than ever. Amen? Because most people would say, we got to pray. we got to do something. In fact, most people would get on the phone and call the pastor or a prayer partner. Amen? And say, help me pray, help me pray, help me pray. Elijah didn't do none of that. Why? Because he already saw in the spiritual world what was taking place. Why is it that we don't see those things? I'll tell you why. Because faith isn't dominant. Our five senses are dominant. We are moved by situations and circumstances, amen, that are coming at us. We're moved by those things, and we're not, we're not moved by faith. That's powerful. God didn't, uh, Elisha didn't ask God to do anything. He just saw. Look at Psalm chapter 34, verse 7. Psalms 34, verse 7. Amen. And the angel of the Lord encamped with the throne about them that feared him and delivered them. In the midst of your crisis, I will guarantee you that you never think about angels. True. You never think about angels. You never think about angels around you. Because that's what it means. Encompass means that there's a circle around you of angels. Now, I had a young lady telling me one time, many years ago, she said, I watched you preaching up on the pulpit, and there were two angels that were 20 feet tall on each side of you holding swords. Wow. Her name was Carol Shepard. She come down after I come down off of the pulpit. She says, I can't believe it, Pastor. She said, I see it just as clear. And she said, every time that you would move, they would move. And they're holding these two huge swords. She said they were so important. She said they were just massive. And every time you move, they would move. And every time they would look at you and they would hold their sword. Because their job was to encompass you. Amen. With power and authority. And if that is true, how many do you think you have? Hallelujah. At least two. I believe in the Holy Spirit, but if you're a ghost. Hallelujah. You're not alive. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. Encamp us about. 
them that fear him and delivereth them. Look at 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35. 2 Kings 19.35 And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand. Anybody know how, how much that is? 145,000. How? 145,000 people he slaughtered in one night and delivered them. The angel did. It delivered who? Who was it that they delivered? These angels, but who was it that they delivered? Hezekiah delivered him. Praise the Lamb of God. And if an angel did that in the Old Testament, what do you think that the angels are doing in the New Testament? Amen. I mean, we need to grasp this church. We need to grasp how what is on the inside of us. We are children of God. We are daughters and sons of the living God. And what resides within us is dunamis power. Praise the Lord. Yes, amen. Powerful. But you know we're not taught this. We're not told this. Hallelujah. He saw all of this through faith. You know what my what I desire? I desire for every single person that watches this and every single person that is here. You know what I desire? Is that every time a crisis or every time a situation or every time a circumstance takes place, that faith rises up and you say, wait a minute, I'm not alone. He said that he would never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Right. He said that he would deliver me. He said that he would, he would, he, he became poor for me. He said all of these things. He said, I take stripes so that you be healed. Faith ought to rise up within us to walk as victorious, more than a conqueror, instead of being dominated by situations and circumstances and all of these and our five senses. We need to rise up as children of God, understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So when Elisha asked God to open up the eyes of Gehazi, notice this. When the Lord opened the eyes of Gehazi, the Caesarean army didn't disappear. Right. It was still there. Now, Gehazi is seeing the physical and he's seeing the spiritual. So, a tremendous truth is being released here and brought to us through the Word of God. Because when you desire healing, when something goes wrong with your body, And you understand that by his stripes you were healed. That means that you were 2,000 years ago healed when he took the cat of nine tails on his back and your blood and his blood dripped down on the sand. At that point you were healed. Someone is going to say, well, how can you be healed if you, before you ever had the disease? Well, I'll ask you the question, how can you be saved? before you ever got saved. You get saved here in 2010, you get saved in 1980, whatever. That's 
thousands of years after the fact that he was on the cross. Yes. So how did you get saved? Yes. Saved by faith. The same way that you get saved by getting healed. But here's what most of God's children do. They got a problem with their body. Something is going on with their body. And so they pray to be healed. And then they look at their body to see if anything's changed. To see if the pain is gone. To see if things have changed. And I just showed you that the Caesarean army didn't go away. Because here's, here's the dilemma, and I want you to get this, is that you as a born-again child of God have within you the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that resurrection power can live side by side with your cancer. I hope you just heard what I said. Your resurrection power that lives inside of you can live side by side, cohabiting with each other with your cancer. And your cancer can rise up and inflame and touch your body and kill you with that resurrection and power living right beside it. Yes. In other words, that which is of the physical and that which is of the spiritual can live side by side. And if you don't let the spiritual take authority over the physical, then the physical will rise up and kill your human body. Yes. That's right. Yes. Wow. That's why I'm 74 years old and I don't go to doctors. Don't take medicine. Don't wear glasses. Because I refuse to allow the physical. Oh, and one more thing I said. I said, Lord, I just said this yesterday. I refuse to allow old age to have its way with me. See? I'm telling you, when I die, I'm going to be just as good looking as I've ever been. I'm joking, people. I'm just joking. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not going to allow it. Not me. Because, because Second Peter says, verse 1, verse 3 says, By all things I have life from godliness through the knowledge of him. I don't have to live according to the curse. I don't have to live according to what Satan has programmed. I don't have to live according... You know, there are people that are going nuts over the television right now. They're absolutely going nuts. Pastors are going nuts. Everybody's going because of what I'm saying. I don't have to live according to the rules of Satan because I have been given all things, all things, to the knowledge and the virtue of him. Amen. And I refuse to allow it to take place in my life. Amen. Amen. And do I care whether or not you agree with me? I don't. Because all you've got to do is to look at my body and look at me and say, you know, it must be working. Cancer right. can live side by side with you. And it can kill you with all of that power inside of you. How do I know that? Because I've lost two lives to it. That's how I know. Cancer will kill you, but it kills you because you allow it to kill you. The same with diabetes, the same with heart attacks, the same with strokes. The same with kidney disease, the same with liver disease, the same with bladder disease, the same with intestine disease, the same with blood disease. It will kill you with all of this power inside of you if you don't use the power to kill it. Yeah. That's right. That is powerful. I think it's time we laughed it. I think it's time that we understood that we are living far below what God intended for us to live. Yes. 
many of you, I shouldn't even ask this question, just by raising your hand, how many of you have had rebell rebellion in your life? Had what? Rebellion. Hallelujah. Rebellion. You know the rebellion quits working when you deal with unbelief? I'll say it again. Rebellion quits working. I should ask another question. How many are still dealing in rebellion? Not as much as you did a long time ago, but I mean still dealing in rebellion. Don't raise your hand. Rebellion stops working when unbelief is put to rest. In fact is, when you put unbelief to rest, a lot of the things that you don't like working in your life are put to rest as well. Yes, bless the Lord. Do you want truth? That's true. Because when you start taking the flashlight, God's flashlight, and you put it on your heart, a lot of things start revealing that you won't like. It's kind of like vacuuming in your home. And you run the vacuum sweeper, amen, and you get done and the carpet looks so nice. And then when you take a magnifying glass and put the, the, the threads, you separate the threads and look down and you say, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. Because unbelief makes everything terrible. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who he his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now watch this. By whose stripes ye were, were as past tense. Meaning that you were healed 2,000 years ago. You were delivered 2,000 years ago. Oh, by the way, you were made prosperous 2,000 years ago when he became poor that you might become rich. Yes. It's all on the inside of you. In your spirit man. That's why it's so important. That's, for, that's why it's so important for you to understand the essence of faith and what faith is all about and what faith really does. Because in order to believe it, you have to see it. Isn't that true in the physical realm? Yes. I mean, we got, a, we got a license plate down in Missouri that says, it says, I'm the show me state. I won't believe it until you see it, until I see it. That's prevalent. Amen? Because that's what most of us say. If, if, we're, if, if I was to bring you something and you say, well, you know what? That's what Thomas said. He said, you know what? I've got to see it if I'm going to believe it. How many of us are like that? Yeah. yeah. But in order to believe it in the spiritual world, you've got to see it. You've got to be able to grasp it. You've got to be able to see that it, you've got to be able to see yourself healed. You gotta be able to see yourself prosperous. You gotta see yourself delivered. You gotta see yourself in an intimate relationship with Him. I have used this so many times, and I'm getting ready to do a new series on uh, on Facebook concerning the book that I wrote, Broken Christianity. And I'm getting ready to do this in a video type thing. And, and, and I haven't used this for a long time, uh, but I, I'm going to bring it up today. When I say intimate relationship, most people believe that their relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. They say, I have a personal
personal relationship with the Lord. Well, I'll tell you, I have a personal relationship with my dog. I have a personal relationship with Whitey. And if you think that I've got a personal relationship with my dog, you've not seen anything yet except for the Brandon household. You've seen nothing yet concerning his dog. I mean, I'm moving. Yeah, I have a personal relationship with my thing. I got a personal relationship with my neighbor. I got a personal relationship with my banker. I got a personal relationship with a lot of acquaintances. I'm not talking about a personal relationship. I'm talking about an intimate relationship. That's what I'm talking about. Well, what is the difference between personal and intimate? Well, I want to tell you, when a man and a woman get married, and out comes forth a child, I will tell you, that tells that they have been intimate. Hello? Yeah. They've been intimate. They've been intimate with one another. And you can look at that woman and that man, and you can see that child, and you can say, here is intimate relationship. The same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God says that the seed is the sperm of God, which is the Word of God. That Word, or that God's Word, or God's sperm, goes in our womb. That means that men and women can become pregnant yes. with God's word. Bless the Lord. Following me? Yeah. I'm not being gross here. I'm just telling you what the word says. You can see the people that are pregnant with God's word. You don't have to understand. You don't have to look to see whether or not they're pregnant. You can hear what they're saying. You can see what they're saying. You can hear the word that they speak. And you know that they are bringing forth life. Because what is a child? A child of God is nothing more than two parents that are intimate bringing forth life. The word of God says that the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And you can tell the people that have life within them. Amen. Amen. You can tell. Because there's a huge difference between life and religion. There's a huge difference between those that are bearing life. Oh my goodness. Awesome truth. That's why the devil gets so anxious when a born-again child of God becomes born again because he goes after them tooth and nail so that they do not become pregnant with God's word inside of them. That's why he goes after them with everything he's got because he sees the potential that they have in their life and he wants to kill that potential so that they never bear life to themselves and to nobody else. I come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his model. And that's what he wants to do with each and every one of you. My job is to bring you life. Amen. My place is to bring you life. So that you can look the devil in the eye and say, be damned. And go to hell. <laughs> there. <laughs> 
against me shall prosper. Hello? And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> now watch this. I'm going to close with this. I can't even believe it's only a couple months after 12. Hallelujah. Wow. Still my beating heart. <laughs> Every weapon formed against you shall not prosper. That's your inheritance. Are you born again? You born again? Autumn, you born again? Born again, born again, born again, born again? Absolutely. It's your heritage. It's what he gave you. That's right. Now watch this. Every tongue that shall rise up on you and condemn you. If you don't condemn it right away, you don't condemn it right away, you'll hear it the rest of the day. Yeah. If you don't condemn it immediately, the minute, I don't care whether it's for Brother Mike, Brother Mike was to say, you know what, that's cancerous, I'd condemn that word right away and I'd rebuke him right away. Because if I don't, I'm going to hear it all the day. If the devil comes up to me and he says, you know what? You're worthless. If I don't condemn it, I'll hear it the rest of the day. Apparently you haven't read Isaiah, devil. Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every word that condemns me, I come against it. In the name of Jesus, be gone. Your inheritance. You don't condemn it, he'll talk to you all day long. you need somebody to pray with, you need somebody to talk to, my phone number is at the end of the broadcast. Feel blessed to give me a call. 309-292-3457. Go to our website, www.rocksolidtruth.com. Amen. And see what we're doing for the glory of God. This is DK Groups here at the Hilton Garden Inn in Bettendorf, Iowa. Go with God, and he will surely go with you.
Dave Jones of Rock Solid 2-5. I am so glad that you invited us into your home. What a blessing it has been for us, and I pray that the blessing has transpired to you as well. I'd like to speak to you about a few things, if I may. Uh, go to our website, www.rocksolidtruth, and take a look and see what we're doing, our projects over in Africa, water filtration, helping children uh, in their schools. I think it will just be a blessing to you. It would be an honor if you would partner with us. Uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Go with God, and he will surely...